Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Wrapped Up. First, let me explain my absence. I took a break to focus on my internship and the small business I'm running. But I also took a break because I could not figure out how to talk about a certain topic that I had planned for this episode. I really wanted to do a topic involving AI human clones, but I ran into many scientific contradictions, technical jargon, and ethical questions. Overall, by doing the research, I found about a hundred more questions that could be an episode all on their own. So I decided to shelf the idea after much consideration. I think that this is a discovery by itself. Don't let one thought limit the possibilities of your thinking. If one idea isn't working out and you're putting more in than you're getting out of it, move on. The thought isn't the only one you'll ever have, trust me, and by letting it go, even better ideas can come along with ease. Which is how we landed on today's fun and ridiculous topic. Today we are exploring the confusing and hilarious world of IKEA furniture names. And all I have to say is decisions were made. Not all of them were awesome. Most of them might have benefited from a slightly different approach. Maybe the company should have listened to my earlier advice about shelving ideas. Or maybe these quirky cabinets are named exactly how they should be. Who knows? Well, we know, or at least we're about to. So without any further rambling, let's get right into discovery one for why IKEA furniture names are so extra. So the first discovery I made was I found out who chose and designed the naming system. And honestly, it explains a lot. The person who designed the naming system was a Swedish man called Igvar Kamprad. You will have to forgive me butchering that name. I do not know Swedish. And yes, for those of you who are unfamiliar with this factoid, IKEA is of Swedish origin. Kamprad not only created the naming system, but also the company itself. So you could say he had a good amount of authority over the names of the furniture. I mean, who's gonna veto your ideas when you're the main dude in charge? The important thing to know about him is that not only was he Swedish and therefore already setting the stage to confuse us Americans, he was also dyslexic. If you're unaware of what that condition is, the textbook definition is a disorder that involves difficulty in learning to read or interpret words, letters, and other symbols, but that does not affect general intelligence. One thing that helped him overcome this disorder, according to a Mental Plus article by Shaughnessy Farrow, is that he used nouns to help him, quote, remember and visualize products better than using code numbers, end quote. By using this methodology, he built a naming system that the IKEA company, which was founded in 1953, still uses today in 2021. To better explain this, let me provide some examples. IKEA rugs tend to be named after cities and countries, while outdoor furniture is named after islands in Scandinavia. Bathroom products are named after rivers and lakes. 
This kind of makes sense to be honest. Much how we decorate our bathrooms with beachy stuff, he mentally saw a connection between water and the bathroom, which for some reason a lot of us tend to make. Outdoor products being named after remote or uncommonly known islands also makes sense when you think about how outdoor furniture is separated from the quote, mainland, our homes. To summarize, we have Kimprod's unique way of thinking to blame for names like Expedit and Kugo. Still, I wonder why, even after 68 years, the company never decided to rebrand itself and change the complicated system. Well, that question brings us right along to Discovery 2. Before I say what Discovery 2 is, let me give a very, 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 very short history lesson. After Kimprod saw success with IKEA opening in multiple countries, he decided to make it easier for the store to franchise globally. In the early 1980s, almost 30 years after the store opened, he attempted to give the brand, quote, eternal life by refiguring the way the stores operated and sold. What this did is create a system that most modern big-name co-ops have, a main supplier or suppliers that is separate from the store, which uses the same products no matter where you are. Just like McDonald's has Mick before every single food item, IKEA's furniture names are the same no matter where you shop at in the world. This does end up causing some funny situations, like in Germany, where one furniture name, though Swedish in nature, sounds like a very naughty German word. Nevertheless, the name is the name. This is highly effective in terms of brand awareness, consistency, and long-term marketing success, as IKEA has over 12,000 products and are still adding more. So to answer why they never thought to make the system less complicated, they started this global branding campaign in the 80s, internationally with thousands of products. So even though the names are quite extravagant and sometimes cause confusion or scandals, trying to change a decades-old internationally used naming system would be an even bigger problem. All right, so now we know how the classics got their names, but what about new products? How and why do these pieces of furniture get their names? Is there a specific checklist items have to go through? Is being nearly unpronounceable, but oddly endearing, a board review requirement? Let's find out in Discovery 3. After learning about how the naming system came to be, the person behind it, and how and why the names haven't changed, I still wondered what happens when new products need to be named. Why not make never-before-seen products have easier names, or at least less podcast-worthy ones? Is it really just branding? Mm, not exactly. According to Quartz.com, quote, the company actually has a team of product namers who christen products with words selected from a Swedish database, end quote. That's right, guys. A database. IKEA has a database, you guys. I'm so excited. This database is broken up into a category system, just like the examples from earlier in the episode with all the bathroom stuff having water-based names. Obviously, even though the naming system was created by the IKEA's founder, computers went around in the 1980s like they are today. The database was instead created by Lars Petrus, 
who took the time to put all the categories and product names into one online database to make the naming systems for both old and new products automatic, sensible, and faster. I still can't get over the idea that someone somewhere right now is logged into this IKEA naming database and it's just spitting out like sea animal names for like a kitty bed. I love it. I am obsessed and I will say it a million times. I am obsessed. Quick side note, the system doesn't always have the final say. Sometimes, like with the issue with the sexual name in Germany, the company will take matters into its own hands to ensure that the brand keeps its integrity. Also, a few cute exceptions have been made, aside from keeping it PG. For example, in the IKEA inventory, there's actually a bookcase named Billy, after Billy Ledge et al., an advertising manager who worked at IKEA. Another bonus fact about the way IKEA names things is that it doesn't end with their products. Not many people know this, just like most people don't know that Panera means bread, so Panera Bread, the restaurant, literally translates into bread bread. You're welcome for that. <laughs> Anyways, the bonus fact is that IKEA is not actually a name, but an acronym. It stands for Ingarv, the founder's first name, Comprad, his last name, Elmtariad, his family farm, and please forgive me for once again butchering more Swedish names, a gun yard, the town he grew up in. Oh god, I really feel like I just offended an entire, an entire culture. Please forgive me. But anyways, that's what it stands for. So the first one, I, is stands for the one that is his first name, K is his last name, E is the family farm, and A is the town he grew up in. And with that catastrophe, we have concluded Discovery 3. What a wild ride. So there it is, you guys. Now you know why that nightmare of a TV stand you still haven't set up that's been in your living room for three weeks is called something that sounds like a Swedish folklore character because maybe it just might be. The next time you're wasting time wandering around your local Ikea with some meatballs and tow, try to decipher the system for yourself. Sounds like a great weekend pastime to me. But never fear, because if you can't figure it out, just go to the online database, you guys. The database. Nope, I, I've said it once, and I've said it again. I'm obsessed. Also, if you ever want to brush up on your Swedish language skills, just like I definitely need to do after trying to pronounce that acronym, or you want to learn more about island geography, look no further than the IKEA website. Honestly, Comprad, what a guy. Speaking of the mastermind himself, I would like to end this episode with my favorite quote from the man of the hour. A waste of resources is a mortal sin at Ikea. End quote. Translation, never leave a meatball uneaten lest you be a sinner. Well, everyone, thank you for being patient with me. And I promise that when you join me, CJ, your podcast host, Next week, Wednesday at 11 a.m., we will be getting wrapped up in another super interesting combo. Follow this podcast to get the latest updates and share this episode to spread the answer. 
for why IKEA names are so extra. Bye!